For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, powerful parents, all you rebels out there? Let me ask you a question. Does your relationship need an overhaul? I don't know. Sometimes I think we're in relationships and one partner is dissatisfied and they don't know what to do. And sometimes we feel stuck or dejected or hopeless. And we've got a program for you today. Scott Vaudry on renovating relationships, talking about how you can work on your relationship by yourself. We at Rebel Parenting believe it only takes one to tango. We have all kinds of guests that talk about that and they've got the data to back it up. Scott is one of those people. You are going to enjoy this program. Let's jump into it. Renovating relationships on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. All right. Hello, everybody. What's happening, Rebels? So good to have you here this morning. Good podcast today. We're going to talk about setting healthy boundaries. You know what, Scott? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do Mm -hmm. appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I was just doing a parenting seminar in Tennessee two nights ago, right? Yep. I'm so tired. I had to get up at 2.30 in the morning to fly home. I'm way too old for that. Like, I don't know what I was doing in college. I had so much energy, but I am now too old to get up at 2.30 and stay up all day. I'm so exhausted. But I was talking about healthy relationships and boundaries, and we're finding more and more adults that still have unhealthy relationships with their parents. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, you know, I'm married and I've got a great relationship with my spouse and I've got a good one with my kids. Now is the time to work on it with my parents. And it's going poorly so often. And especially in the faith world, it's really hard to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's hard to pare down our interactions with the toxic people in our life, especially if we're related to them. You were an ER doc and then a pastor. You're an executive coach. What did you see in your work and in your career? I bet as an ER doc, you saw all kinds of toxic Mm. relationships. What made you want to write about this subject of setting these boundaries? I think there's a couple threads that contributed to my desire to not just write this book, but really dedicate my vocational life to the idea of having healthier relationships. Mm -hmm. One of the most significant ones, and I think uh, you had a guest recently, John Townsend, who touched on this, is the significant impact that relationships, whether they're positive or negative, have on our life, our spiritual life, our physical life, our emotional life, our vocational life. Mm. It's massive, and there's mountains of data, longitudinal data, following people for decades And they demonstrate that over and over that those with the healthy relationships, uh, tuned, intimate, healthy, safe, live longer, do better in surgery, are more satisfied with their jobs, more satisfied with their lives. Mm. And the heartbreak is the converse is true. And those that I'm 57 and there's one research recently that demonstrated that those of us in middle age Mm -hmm. that are the most satisfied with their relationships are healthiest at age 80, and then the converse, those that aren't, have a shorter lifespan. In fact, one research study demonstrates that the impact of chronic isolation, loneliness, or conflict has the same contribution on our physical health as smoking 10 cigarettes a day. 
Wow. Whoa. That's so the huge. impact is huge. But honestly, my kind of obsession with relationships started at least 20, maybe 25 years ago. Mm. And I mean, I remember this moment like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I've been married a decade, five little kids. I was an attending physician in the trauma center, elder at my church. And I just did a survey. I'm sitting in this little upstairs office at home. My marriage is getting strained. I'm kind of distant from my kids. I'm having a direct report issue at the hospital. There's a conflict at church. And I realized the thread that ran through all of that relational chaos mm. was me. Yeah. And I just got so convicted. I was a relational disaster. And so that moment, everything changed. I mean, it changed what I did for a living, what I read, what I journaled about, what I sought counseling for, what I wrote about, what I teach. This is really, really important. Mm. And the the funny thing is that now I'm an executive coach. And so I'll get called by a company. We need help with strategy or we need help with alignment or we need help with our culture. And I get there. And the problem is relationships. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> not, not telling the truth, not being too rough or it's all relational. So yep. the impact is enormous. So Pickering, long answer, that's that's why mm. I'm into this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you are one of my people. I've been to the ER more than 40 times in my uh. life. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that honest 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 truth. I didn't <laughs> know until I was in my late 30s that that wasn't normal for everyone else. I thought everyone yep. went to the ER regularly. So I love the trauma doctors. You had to see a lot of that in the ER. You know, crisis brings out the best and worst in people. I think weddings, funerals, and crisis brings out the best and worst in people. Mm -hmm. And I've been in hospitals where someone is severely sick or injured, and there's just screaming, fighting going on. And you're like, this is hurting that person more than they're already hurt. What are Mm -hmm. you doing? What are you thinking? you know, control yourself, pull yourself together. What are you doing? Did you see a lot of that? Absolutely saw a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I think to your point, uh, trauma and scare brings out the worst of us. And Mm -hmm. when we get really provoked and scared, the primitive part of our brain takes over and our social neocortex is not really making the decisions. Mm -hmm. And our primitive brain doesn't really care about relationships. It just wants to protect us. And so almost always things get worse which is why I think these kind of books and the kind of work that you guys do is so important because we want to be proactive. So when the time comes, there's tools and body memory in place that we can realize, oh, I don't need to blow this thing up. Sure. Mm. But absolutely, you take a bad situation and it always gets worse when people who aren't able to manage their anger or their fear or their relational lack of EQ, mm-hmm. everything gets worse. You know, that's mm. interesting, Scott. That was something I was talking about in the parenting seminar And I use this example. My little girl at age six, I caught her watching TV at midnight. She had the puppies on her lap. She's watching Netflix, having a great time. And I don't think my parents are bad people at all. I don't think they were bad parents. And I would have gotten in severe trouble for watching TV at midnight. I mean, I would have been spanked. The TV would have been taken away for months, if not years. It would have been brought up multiple times afterwards as a as a way to <laughs> not behave and a learning lesson, all those types of things. I just put Lucy to bed. It's never happened again. I didn't blow up. I didn't get angry. And I was talking to the parents about, you're the adult in this relationship. And when your kids go bonk bonk or when they do 
something completely out of the ordinary or they go a little crazy, you have the ability to take a step back. Mm. I think so often as parents, we're afraid this is going to last forever. This is going to be who they are as an adult. And so we dive into that fray. You know, they escalate and we escalate and then they escalate and we go, but I'm bigger and stronger and more powerful. So I'm going to do all the escalation. Mm. And it's fear-based when I think in a lot of those moments, if as parents, we just take a step all the way back and go, what's happening? What's Mm. going on? Instead of going from that fear center of, I can't take it. What if this is how it's going to be forever? What if this is who they are? You know, all those fearful, scared things we do Mm -hmm. and just take a step back and go, what's happening with you? What's going on? Why is this so out of the ordinary? Why are you behaving this way? You know, you said you realized you were the center of all these bad relationships. What was it in you that allowed you to take a step back and to feel conviction to get that work you needed to do? Yeah. Like, what are the steps you took to create those new boundaries? Well, I think that, um, I think this is true of all of us, that we're often animated by either reward or to get out of pain. In this regard, both were in situation. Uh, I mean, when you take stock and realize, you know, I'm not sure any of these relationships are going well. It's just, it should be concerning. And if it's not concerning, then there's probably other (laughs) issues going on. And so I don't think once you have reality, and awareness mm. that it's hard to start making shifts and disciplining yourself. I think the problem is awareness. Mm. And you know, your example, Ryan, with your daughter, I mean, you step back and you assess the situation. I yeah. mean, a good chunk, in fact, the first third of the book really is about when we have relational disappointment, how do we right-size what's going on? Right. You know, there's a, I have a model called the problem Ooh. of life model. Okay, explain right size, because I think I know what you're talking about, and I love it if it is what I think it is. Talk about right-sizing something. Okay, well, there's a little pressure that I hit your bullseye. It's a mystery, but I'll try. (laughs) So the first part of the book, I talk about the problem of life, the reality that we all have a desire for our relationships, our marriage, our Mm -hmm. parenting, Mm -hmm. our work, whatever. And this side of heaven, our reality, our experience is going to be short, of that desire. So between what's going on and our desire, there's a gap, which in the book I gave the clever name, The Gap. (laughs) And what we do in the first third of the book is, how do we clarify the gap? And you learn this in medicine. I mean, when a case goes wrong, it's rarely choosing the wrong treatment. It's that we miss the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so to get the right diagnosis before you apply treatment is key. And my experience, when we mismanage our relational disappointment, very often it's we didn't really establish what was really going on. Because once we've done that, once we've clarified the gap, and I can explain how that goes, then we can respond in right measure. Yes. And yeah. then we talk, that's what the rest of the book is about. All gaps, all gaps require response. Mm-hmm. And all responses require ideal combinations or ideal amounts of accepting, not making a big deal, and protecting, defending yourself. Mm. And I didn't say equal amounts. I said or ideal amounts. And so with your daughter, most appropriate there was a lot of accepting. You realize that my daughter's probably going to figure this out. I don't need to make a bigger deal than this is. Yeah. So you right-size the gap. I did need, I don't need an elephant gun. This is mm. not even a BB gun. Oh. And that how great is that it really because and that's what i was telling people on stage i was like i didn't do anything i took her to bed put her down she went to sleep 30 seconds later it's not happened again and who cares 
Who cares? It's no big deal. And that's placing the right amount on it. I didn't need to blow this up. I didn't need to, you know, get angry and have this hour long discussion at midnight at night. It was just, hey, just go to bed. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And she has no idea what time it was. She's sick. She can't tell time. She can't tell time right now. So she thought maybe it was a little too early to be up, but it wasn't this. I think sometimes adults place adult rationale and thinking on children as if my six-year-old woke up and was like, ha ha ha, it's the middle of the night. I know I'm doing something wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because I am willful and defiant and I'm going to break all the rules and no one's going to catch me. She was like, hey, it's early. I'm going to watch some TV. That was it. It was no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And not to be argumentative, but you said you didn't do anything in that circumstance, but you did two really important things Mm -hmm. is first you notice for yourself that you didn't apply motives. She's not diabolical. You didn't assume the worst (laughs) of her. You didn't assume that she was trying to mess with you. You didn't take it personally that she was violating your boundary. And then you right sized the gap Mm -hmm. and you realize the ideal amount of accepting and protecting is mostly accepting. Now, if she does this tomorrow, I'm going to turn up the protecting a bit. Correct. But those two things, knowing yourself well enough to know, here's the mistake I might make, and right-sizing the gap is the game. Is the game. And yeah. that's really what I try to help people with in the book. Mm. Clarifying mm. that gap. Man, that's so great. I sound like a good parent. Totally. <laughs> you are a good parent. <laughs> you know, but they, well, I, they think that's the thing, too, is mm. – Really, I was trying not to place motives on it. You know, at first you're like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're doing this. Why would you do that? And it's like, I don't know. What? What are you talking about? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's like, oh, that's right. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about. This is not a big deal. It's not if I was getting up at midnight watching TV, knowing, you know, the consequences. It's a little kid. And she's never done it again. So, yeah. Yeah. Case solved. And I think... That's just so important for us to have that self-awareness. I mean, the big chunk, a big responsibility in clarifying the gap mm-hmm. is owning our contribution to it, mm-hmm. owning our contribution to the relational disappointment. So I spend a lot of time, in fact, it's, it's an excruciatingly long chapter in the book on self-deception because we wow. all have this reflex yep. to distort the truth subtly yeah. to make us feel better about our decisions or our choices we can either make it a bigger deal, we accuse them, make them a little worse than they are, excuse mm-hmm. ourselves, make us a little better. So in your case with a daughter, she's doing this on purpose, she's taking advantage of me, mm. you distort things a little bit, and then that gives your, you give yourself permission to overreact. Yes. Or sometimes we self-deceive by underreacting, we minimize or we mm. rationalize. So you know, your daughter does this every night for a month and you still keep putting her to bed. There's some self-deception now because you're minimizing the problem or rationalizing your role in it. Mm. And that self-deception gives you permission to underreact. And that's a big part of right-sizing the gap wow. is getting clear on how am I contributing to this? How am I distorting or telling justifying stories to make me feel okay in this gap? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? You ever watch a commercial and you think to yourself, what? It can't be that easy. I am so skeptical by nature. I got to tell you, our new sponsor, Policy Genius, is as easy as they say it is. PolicyGenius.com is their website. September is National Life Insurance Awareness Month. Most people aren't aware of that. I wasn't aware of it until I read it. And that's why over 40% of Americans don't have life insurance. Right now, prices are the lowest they've been in 20 years, and Policy Genius has made it easier than ever 
to get covered. Once you apply, PolicyGenius actually handles all the paperwork and the red tape. I've been through the process. It was super, super easy. My goodness, I wish I had PolicyGenius.com when I quit my last job and was looking for insurance. It is so much easier now. And they don't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you with home, home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. So if you need insurance but you haven't gotten around to it, National Life Insurance Awareness Month is as good a time as any. And go to PolicyGenius.com, get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do all of it on your phone. And you're on your phone right now, right? Listen to the podcast. You're hearing this. Stop it for a second. Go to PolicyGenius.com. Click on that link. Get your insurance. All right? God bless. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? What would you say to a parent that is um, not willing or looking at their contribution and you Mm. as a friend Mm. or a coach realize well we need to rein things back and take a look at your contribution first before we go and mine the gap Mm. yeah it's a great question and if you don't mind i'm going to distort it a little bit for my benefit because what i don't want to do is get too prescriptive about parenting because you know better than i do about Different developmental levels require a different amount of yes. response. But the reality is your question is beautiful because it, it applies to kids, it applies to peers, it applies to parents, it mm. applies to bosses. Mm. Yep. And that is when we experience somebody who is probably, to use the language from the book, over-accepting and mm. under-protecting. Okay? So they probably need to defend themselves or protect what's going on here with more protecting A lot of it depends, your question is, what do you do? A lot of it depends on your relationship and the extent that you are obligated and or invited. Mm. So you're obligated (laughs) when you're in a position where I think my safety, integrity, dignity is being risked here. Whether it's a really significant issue or it's a little one that like water torture so long, I've got to do something about it. (laughs) Well, I'm obliged. I mean, uh, Proverbs is clear that only you have the responsibility to guard your heart. Yep. And so there's there's an obligation to say something, whether they're receptive or not, because it's impacting your safety, dignity. Yeah. Now, there's other times where it's really not our issue, you know, they're parenting mm. their kid in a certain way, they're managing a direct report in a certain way, where it really isn't our thing. Yep. That's, that's important because I define the boundaries in the book as keeping negative consequences with their rightful owner. So I'm setting a boundary uh-huh. when their behavior creates negative consequences that I'm carrying. And the boundary is just saying, I'm giving it back to you. You can't keep a job and you keep borrowing money from me that actually is impacting me negatively. So going forward, if you continue to not get a job, I'll no longer loan you money. That's setting a boundary. Where if it's your parenting or your managing your person, I don't think is ideal, I'm not setting a boundary because I'm not carrying the negative consequences. Right. I'm just offering advice, hopefully I'm invited. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that, having an invitation or to speak to someone saying like, hey, would you be open to some feedback, getting the permission? Yeah, yeah. I have some observations from a vantage point that you don't have. I wonder if you're curious about that. Yeah. And then don't take it personally if they say no. And very often, as you know better than I do, they'll if they're going to say no, parenting. Mm. No, thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Definitely. hard. Parents, yeah. Parenting is hard. It's so mm-hmm. much wrapped into it. Our pride and our and it's scary to, to face the possibility that we're somehow not doing the best for our kids. And so that's a tender, tender topic. And hopefully we all have people in our lives that are safe enough and there's sort of a spoken or unspoken commitment that we're going to tell each other these things or we're going to invite these things. I might even just ask you, how do you think I'm doing with my parenting or with my relationship with my spouse or whatever? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. We just did a couple shows on that, on having people in your life that can speak hard truth to you and having people in your life that will see your blind spots for you. Mm. Uh, but that's a very vulnerable relationship in Ooh. inviting someone to look for your blind spots or inviting someone to give you that hard truth. It's very, very vulnerable. One of our listeners right now asked, what about adult children who are acting inappropriately? I wish I had a little more specifics on it, but yeah. we can probably guess. So this content comes from a workshop called Relate, and we did this to create kind of a safe space for people to start talking about their relationships. You know, mm-hmm. they're not ready to go to recover or to our marrow restoration stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just too much to go to a gym and tell strangers, you know, your dark, darkest stuff. So we started this workshop and, you know, family of origin, difficult conversations, forgiveness. Well, this one was called Boundaries and Bridges, and we expected 400 people. 1,100 people showed up. Oh. And this just tells you that this issue of right-sizing the gap and when necessary with kindness, courage, and clarity setting a boundary is a hot spot. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what I did is when they all came in, 1,100 people, I had a a note card on the chairs and said, tell me where you are struggling with boundaries or your difficult relationship. I wasn't surprised to see spouse number one and boss number two. But number three, right behind them, surprised me. It was adult children. Yep. Mm. And in fact, the proverbial 30-year-old living in the basement yes. was the scenario over and over. So in fact, in the book, oh. really? I, I, really? I go through the book. At the last chapter of the book, I actually walk through the whole pathway, the whole protocol with a case study, and it's an adult son in the basement because mm. it is a <laughs> giant problem. And I would say we respond to adult children the same way we respond to a coworker, a spouse, a child, a neighbor. And that is, if we are carrying the negative consequences of their behavior and to not say something is jeopardizing our own dignity or safety or integrity, then we have an obligation to guard our heart and say something. Mm. And so really, I think the circumstance matters less than the impact we're having. Now, it, very often what happens is I have adult children. I mean, we've been married 35 years, and so our kids are all grown up. And if my kids were behaving badly, I didn't like, for example, I'm making this up, they're drinking too much or how they parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not experiencing the negative consequences of that. I'm not carrying that. Then there's no boundary to be had. Often I'll talk with parents. In fact, I'm doing some coaching for an executive who told me that he is going to write his son out of the will because he's smoking marijuana. He's going to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what's the negative consequence you're carrying yeah. from him? Yeah. Well, I'm embarrassed. Like, uh, who's the rightful owner of your embarrassment? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ooh. He was. Yes. And so if you need to discipline your son somehow who is 30 years old, go ahead. But I can't condone that's a boundary. 
Yeah, mm. I agree. I really so do. That's the biggest awesome mistake distinction. we try to manipulate or control or change people, and we call it a boundary. Yeah, that's not a boundary. That's right. Mm-hmm. The Thank discipline you for saying that. of not calling a thing a boundary until it's really a boundary, and you're returning negative consequences to the rightful owner mm-hmm. will protect. Yeah. You can yeah. have a transaction. You can have a uh, dialogue. Just mm-hmm. don't call it a boundary. Okay. No, I, that's really, really important. And I do think a lot of parents with adult children fall into that where it's like, but I don't like the way they're living their life. Okay, totally. but it's not really affecting you. Mm-hmm. Well, when they come over, you know, then they do blah, blah, blah. Well, then you can have the conversation for when they're in your home. But in their own home doing their own thing you know, your embarrassment is your own feelings, and they're not responsible for your yep. feelings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, that's yep. important. That's powerful. Woo, woo. Okay, so let's talk about that when it comes to addiction. You know, we deal with addiction a ton on Rebel Parenting. You know, I think whether it's pills or, I mean, you're in California, I'm in Colorado. The weed epidemic is, I just didn't know. I didn't know how many people we're using marijuana to numb out, you know, and it's fairly extreme where we live. Mm. Uh, I think it's understandable, but instead of, you know, wine at two in the afternoon, we've got lots of soccer moms eating edibles at, you know, noon or two in the afternoon because nobody sees it. You know, they're not walking around with a glass of wine. They just have a gummy bear and then, you know, go about their way. But what about more severe addictions, whether it's pornography or alcohol, you know, things like that? The good news is I still think if you use the pathway in the book, yeah. you can kind of come to a place of, am I carrying the negative consequences? Does this require more accepting or more protecting? But I will say this, that very often we take a superficial approach to people who are salving their ache with a counterfeit, mm-hmm. whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, relationships, mm-hmm. Facebook, golf, work, ministry, whatever it is, uh, will salve an ache with a counterfeit. And so there's wisdom to say, stop drinking or stop whatever. But the reality is that's sort of like looking at your lawn and say, I've got all these dandelions. I'm going to solve the dandelion problem with this pair of scissors. I'm going to go out and I'm going to snip the heads off all those dandelions because that's what I see. I step back like, oh, there it is, a nice green lawn. Mm. Like we've managed it. But reality is it's going to come back because we didn't deal with the root. Yep. And actually, next year I have a book coming out, which is just about the roots. But the reality is, I think, a multi-pronged approach. Now, when someone else's addiction is adversely impacting our safety, dignity, integrity, then because we are responsible to guard our heart, we set a boundary. Yeah. And we protect ourselves. We keep the negative consequences. If someone, for example, has a spending problem mm-hmm. and they're related to me and they're spending my money – I'm carrying the negative consequences of their behavior. And so I'm going to set a boundary. And just, you know, because your spending costs me money going forward, if you continue to spend outside of our budget, I'm going to separate our finances or whatever. Sure. Well, that's a reasonable way to manage the consequences that I'm carrying for that person's addiction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't solve the addiction. And very often, but in the addiction, part of the root is going to be shame. And I just added to the shame. Now, it's not my responsibility to fix them. It's not my responsibility to address their shame. But I think, you know, Romans 12, 18, as much as it depends on me, I want to live at peace with this person. So I don't have to make it worse to protect myself. Mm -hmm. Let me ask this. So it's in a way it's you've got someone that drinks too much that's in your life. If it's just affecting them, 
that's their negative consequence. Now, if they're drinking and wrecking your car or you know, breaking things in the house or acting violently towards you, that's a negative consequence on you. But oftentimes, we've got someone that has a lot of negative consequences in their life and we're taking yeah. responsibility for it and therefore we're trying to change their behavior and control them. Exactly. Okay. And I think the biggest mistake we make with boundaries is we cloak over our control with this thing called boundaries because boundaries is good. We don't want to be controlling. But when I look at the early years of our marriage, I was controlling. Mm. And she'd call me controlling, and I'd say I'm everything but controlling, and I would resist, I resist, I resist, but you start doing this work of, okay, what's my contribution to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Realize, oh dear, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm controlling. So now yeah. it changes the equation, and so I think what I want to do with this book is keep the idea and definition of boundaries as clean as possible so that people can go forward with confidence. Because what happens so often, particularly I think in the church world, is we spiritualize Mm. not standing up for ourselves and somehow make it noble or like we're turning the other cheek when in fact it is not honoring of our parents to not stand up for ourselves. It is not raising, I mean, it's really important to take the responsibility to guard our hearts. And so mm-hmm. there's just something about helping people identify the problem and the next steps so when they go forward, they can go forward with confidence because here's something that's true 100% of the time. When we set boundaries, particularly if we're years late doing it, the other person (laughs) will react terribly. Yes. Mm. I've never had one person ever say after I set a boundary, oh, thank you for helping Mm. me see this. Mm -hmm. And so my counsel in the book is expect it. Mm. What kind of Christian are you? If you really love me, (laughs) if all that stuff, expect it. Don't get mad. Don't get defensive. Don't get, get, expect it and be kind to them because this is all they know because you were in a dance with them for a long time. Right. So don't make a big deal when they react poorly. Just hold firm. But to hold firm, you need confidence that you're doing the right thing because you're going to refute those accusations. Sure. So to do that, you only set boundaries when you're carrying the negative consequences of which you're not the rightful owner. That makes it real clean. So when it happens… Yep. Be confident. You move forward. There's resistance. You move forward because you've done the work. You've owned your part. You clarified the gap. And then you have the confidence to do something that, by definition, is terrifying. Yes. Oh, Man. Scott, this is great. It really, it's just powerful, it's powerful perfect. stuff. And I love the whole renovate your relationship idea, just taking stock of what is happening. And we've really done that here at Rebel and just mm-hmm. making sure the relationships that we're in are fruitful producing great fruit absolutely yeah Mm. definitely before we go we've got just a couple minutes left when there have been bridges burned in the past how do we take responsibility for our part and start to rebuild those bridges so again the context matters here so there's i would say 95 percent of the bridges i think if we do a real good job with the self-deception part Mm -hmm. we can recognize and sometimes it's years later. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what? I actually did not manage that right. And so this may not solve the relationship problem. This may not close the gap. But this is me being responsible for my part, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is the only part I have control over. Yep. And so there's always, a, I think, an invitation to right your wrongs, own your stuff, 
um, so often we get in this place where when we're in a relationship that's mad or bad, we feel <laughs> bad about ourselves. We feel ashamed. We, yeah. Dan Allender is one of my heroes, and he has Yay! this phrase he used. We love Dan. So I did the one-year advanced certificate for trauma and abuse, and oh. it was in that oh, context. Wow. He said, the antidote to shame is brokenness. Yep. And that sounds so contrary, but really what is brokenness but just the truth? Yeah. And what is shame? but a lie. Mm. So there's something about owning your stuff, even if it's old, and telling the truth about it, because that's yeah. the antidote to shame. Yep. Now, there are fractured relationships where I'm coaching another person who was sexually harmed by a person who is trying to get the relationship restored, and she's not ready. Yeah. No. So I think there's something, again, about guarding your heart. And so mm. is this forever doomed? No. No. Is today the right thing to not reconcile? Yes, but those are so rare. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I, I was talking to a couple at the event this weekend because I was talking about I was a really hard parent on Lincoln when he was little. I was totally fear based. I was afraid of blowing it and doing a bad job. And so it made me angry. And I was an angry, binary, black and white, my way or the highway parent for the first like eight years of his life. And I spend a lot of time, not as much now that he's almost 13, but I spent a lot of years doing a lot of apologizing for my yeah. behavior when he was young. <laughs> and it was hard. It was yeah. really hard. It's so hard. It's but so it hard. But it repaired that relationship. And I was talking to a guy, and he's got adult children and young adult children, two different marriages. Yeah. And he said, I think it's time for me to start apologizing to my adult children for what I did wrong. And I'm like, it's never too late. It's never too late. They nope. might throw it back at you. They might be angry about it still. They may still be triggered about it. And doing the right thing is always the right thing. Mm. And you can do that. Yeah. You can take that. Mm, man, Scott, this is such good stuff. <laughs> I think something important about how we go back and fix our things. And so I similarly was the binary angry um, dad, particularly with my son, Matt, when he was little. Mm. He's 34 now. But to say, I could have done things better or, you know, it's different than I realized that my control was my insecurity. Yep. And my scare. Thank you. And yes. And my shame. And that wasn't yours to carry. And mm -hmm. I, I am sorry because you had to carry that because I was too prideful or too yep. blind or whatever to see it. Yeah. So there's something again about, and that's why the first third of this book is own your contribution to the relational disharmony. Otherwise, you can't go into boundary setting with the confidence you need mm -hmm. to overcome the resistance that's coming. Yeah. And I like what mm -hmm. you said too because that's one of the things I talk about is. Apologies need to be specific. Yeah. It's not just, I'm sorry for being a bad dad when you were young. Well, what does that mean? Right. What are you sorry for? What did you do that hurt me? It's, I'm really sorry that I held you to a standard that you could never meet. I'm sorry I, I was so overbearing and so controlling. I'm sorry that I exactly. was angry and mean. I'm sorry I raised my voice. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of things you can be sorry for. The general overarching, I'm just sorry, it's not enough. Yeah. And not for kids yeah. and not for people that you've wounded and hurt. Well, and it doesn't set yeah. up great and, boundaries. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. Or a great example. Exactly. Yeah, particularly yes. when your kids are a little bit younger, I, I think, you know, they watch us. They watch us like mm -hmm. a hawk. And so, and again, not just our kids, but all of our relationships, I think, to own the specific and even invite, am I missing something? Is there mm. a hurt that I'm not aware of? Yes. Yeah. Man. That's awesome because that's helping you own your contribution. Right. You talk mm. about someone to give you blind spots. Very often, our closest friends don't know some of the blind spots. And yep. so, 
our kids do. Yes, <laughs> they do. Oh, perfect. Oh, Scott, thank you so much. The book is right here. It's called Renovate Your Relationships by Scott Vondry. It is fantastic. I mean, we got this. We get books every single day in the mail. Every day we get books. Most of them aren't very good. We got into this one. It was like, oh, we got to get this Let's guy this on the one. podcast. <laughs> it's so, it's fantastic. It really is. We oh, love thanks. transformative books. Mm-hmm. We like seeing lives transformed and relationships healed. And this will do a great job at it. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on. It was just a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Thank uh, you, it's Scott. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks for being with us. It is such an honor that you donate your time to us every single day. We appreciate that so much. What an honor to have all those parents out there, all those spouses out there taking time out of their day to work on their relationships, work on their parenting. God will honor that, and we appreciate you. Thank you to The Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this podcast, persecution.com for The Voice of the Martyrs. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.